The following program is a podcast1.com production. I'm so glad you joined us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's all about your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our website. You want deals? ClarkDeals.com. And when you have a question for me, Clark.com slash ask. Coming up in 20 minutes, there's something you got to know in today's Clark Rageous Moment. When you go to fill a prescription med, it could save you big money. In a half hour from now, the process of applying for a mortgage has been such a pain. The documentation required and all the rest, ridiculous. I want to tell you about changes coming that are going to make you applying for a mortgage loan not as much of a miserable experience as it's been. Not pleasant, but the misery index is going to go down. I want to talk right now about a change going on with quick serve restaurants and some of the fast food houses. And that is the role of the app in you saving money on your order. Starbucks was early with this. Starbucks came up with a concept of allowing you to order in advance, allowing you to pay from the app, allowing you to get frequent purchase discounts and free items through your activity. And everybody else, more or less, is starting to follow the lead of Starbucks, but especially the places that are a step up from traditional fast food. An example would be Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is putting a huge effort behind an app that is like a frequent diners program with elite levels in it for people that are obsessive about Chick-fil-A, the ability to order in advance and have your food ready for you when you get to the Chick-fil-A, allowing you to pay through the app, and there's a reader that reads the app. And this is something that is part of the future, is that the discounts that will be made available, and I think this will spread throughout a step below into fast food as well, is that the discounts are going to go to the people that are app loyal. That if you are ordering through the app or paying through the app, or you're being allowing tracking through the app, that that's how you will get the deals. That they are following many, many decades later, the playbook of the airline industry that created additional loyalty through the connection to the customer and rewards for the customer's activity. And there's a bagel shop that I go to that's an independent, and they have a system that I think is capable of many of those things, but they only use it for their loyalty program. And you go there and you sign in to a a little tablet, looks like uh, some kind of Android tablet, and you sign in with your phone number, and then it's tied into the register, and you earn loyalty credits based on, I guess, a profitability index, 
And as you eat there, you earn the credits, and then it'll pop up and say you've earned a free uh, fancy coffee, or you've earned a free bagel, or you earned a free sandwich, or whatever it is, through that loyalty program. But the real action is going to be on your smartphone, and you're going to see the progression through the smartphone. There are people who aren't going to do that. And that's why Wendy's is doing a huge rollout of kiosk touchscreens where you will order your food from the touchscreen rather than ordering from a human. Now, the big thing with that is research says that people in their teens and 20s do not want to have to wait in line for a human to take their order. That overwhelmingly, they are more comfortable going to a screen and placing an order at that screen. And so uh, you're going to see much more of that. And yeah, that will also potentially reduce labor costs for Wendy's, but it's also something that I think of this. Okay. When I go to a quick server fast food, I prefer to be able to make my own soft drink. For me, that's an enhanced quality experience when I can make my own drink. I am saving the restaurant labor costs because I am doing the work. It's gone from being a a full-serve activity to self-serve, and in my mind, it is an enhanced experience because I get to make my drink exactly like I want with a mix of ice and a mix of various flavors if I want to or whatever. And so that's how many people look at being able to go to one of those terminals, the touchscreens, and order their items or order them on their phone. And it makes the restaurant more efficient. Carl is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Carl. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Uh, your wife is retiring. Yes, uh, she's retiring from a large retailer. And uh, she's got an option of taking a lump sum or monthly distributions for her pension. My goodness. She's retiring from a retailer and she has a pension? Yeah, believe it or not, one of the last ones left. Wow. You know, there's almost no such thing as a as a retailer with a pension for their workers. Yeah, she's been there for uh, 34 years now. Wow. How can I be so, of service? Because that's a shocking well, thing. We were uh, just wondering, what's, what's better, taking the lump sum or taking the uh, monthly distributions? So if we just look at the dollars and cents... Uh, without looking at her individual plan, almost always, and it's not 100% of the time, but it's close, it's better to take the monthly payment from them than it is to take the lump sum. But since you told me it's a retailer, you kind of knocked me back on my feet because that creates a different concern. How solid financially right. is this retailer? 
That we don't we don't know. So Do you have reasons to doubt how viable they might be? Oh yes. If you do, that would mean that even though the odds are overwhelming, there would be better for your wife to take a monthly check. In this case, she'd probably be better served taking the lump sum. Because if now, she, go ahead. What about taxes on the lump sum? Would that be taxed at our current rate or whatever the uh, uh, tax bracket of the lump sum would be? Yes. So if, when you get a lump sum distribution, you get clobbered on tax in the year you receive it. Yeah, that's the only reason I don't want to take us because that would put us in the very top tax bracket. So here's the thing. If you take the monthly check, and she was there a long, long time, the, there is a quasi-federal agency called the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. So if at some point the company she worked for fails to, you know, ceases to exist, fails and they're done, the pension liability is turned over to this agency, the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. And they have a formula based on how large a pension your wife would be receiving, what kind of haircut she'd get, how much of her pension she would actually have reduced that she would receive from then forward from this quasi-federal agency. So the risk... Right. So the risk to her is... This is, you know, if this was a company that was doing great and reporting huge profits and their future looked bright far out into the future, then you take the monthly check. Because almost always the monthly check imputes a higher return than you're going to be able to generate on your own on this pension distribution. But the lump sum, you know she gets the money. So I always tell people, take the monthly check unless you're worried about the company's finances. Just don't know which way to go. I think it's a matter of, let's look at it this way. If she takes the monthly check and let's say three, four, five years from now, they fail, would would it just demolish your quality of life and your ability to afford things? Or would it be more like, ah, well, we're not going to have that money every month, but we'll still be okay? It would be, oh, well. If it's an oh, well, and you're going to be fine either way, take the monthly check. If it's money that's do or die for you as a couple, I would take the lump mm-hmm. sum. Okay. Well, that's, that's good to know. So, and I would I would discuss it with her as well because she worked there for so long. Psychologically, it may bother her a lot if you know the pension stops or is, uh, it wouldn't be stopped, but it would be greatly reduced in the event of a failure. Right. Does that help? Okay. Yes. It, yes, it does. Okay, because you know I'm fortunate enough to have a pension benefit that I have to choose at some point, lump sum, or receive as a lifetime benefit. And these are tough decisions how to choose. Steve is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Steve. Hello. Hi, Steve. 
Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Steve. So, Steve, you bought a cruise, you put your money down, and then they told you forget about it? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, what happened was, uh, on their website, they had a uh, cruise advertised for a certain price, and you know it's a really good deal. I was all excited about it. We went ahead and booked that room, and then we also got my daughter a room as well, a suite for what seemed to be a really great price. And then, uh, uh, you know, everything went through. We got the booking confirmation. We put our deposit down on what we needed to hold the room. And then um, when we called them to see if I could get another room at a really great price, they uh, said that it was a mistake, and that was not the correct pricing that they put out. So they uh, said that they're going to cancel our booking. And I just wait, 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 wait. Okay, go ahead. So that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I know. We got all excited about it. <laughs> okay, so the price that they that you found that they then later said was a mistake. Is it something that um, would potentially be likely obvious that they could not have meant to sell the cabin that cheaply? Or was it in the realm of possibility that it could have been a real legitimate offer? It was pretty cheap for the type of room it was. You know, we go on cruises, and as you know, they advertise all kinds of different prices at different times of the year for them. So I thought maybe it was like a really good or, you know, you know, the airlines will run these really great specials, things like that. So the, the real test was something like that. First of all, in the cruise uh, terms and conditions, before final payment is due, they may have a clause that protects them legally, but let's talk practically because now they're alienating a, a loyal longtime customer. If the price that they quoted you would be generally obvious to somebody who was not involved in the transaction that there was no way they could have been selling it at that price it would be considered to be reasonable on their part to tell you they're not going to honor it on the other hand if it's Uh within within the range of what very well could be a possible price for a cruise it should be honored Uh have you started blasting them on social media we haven't we um you know, and I know it's kind of like a first world problem, <laughs> so they really want to make a big deal. No, but that's that's fine. I mean, you know, I would get on Cruise Critic, and if it is something that could have very possibly been real, I would be blasting the cruise line on there. They monitor what people are posting, which you do on Facebook and Twitter about them. Their reputation is very important, and if they are being um, foolish in this case with a long-time experienced cruise passenger and it would have been reasonable to expect that that could have been a real deal you should get that deal and it should be honored i got a secret for you about prescription meds do you know many times you can buy a prescription for less than what your drug copay is scams ripoffs outrages it's a Clark Regis moment. This just happened to me recently where I filled two prescriptions and the two combined were $7 and change. But my copay would have been 
$50. In my case, the pharmacist told me that I should just pay for them and not involve the insurance company. But in something that is absolutely Clark-rageous, Bloomberg reports that over and over again, drugstores are not telling the customer and you're paying more than the actual cost of that generic drug. Which brings me to the most important thing of all, always comparison shop when you're filling a prescription med. Check out GoodRx.com and Costco and Walmart's $4 prescription drug list before you buy your prescription. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports this podcast. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust, someone who's got your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in just minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com slash save. That's quickenloans.com slash S-A-V-E. Let Rocket Mortgage help you get the exact mortgage solution that you need. Go to quickenloans.com slash save. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. So glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. On the web at Clark.com. When you have a question for me, Clark.com slash ask. I had a question the other day from somebody when I was working out at the YMCA, which made it clear to me I had not explained something well on the air. So I'm going to try again. I had, in passing, talked about Rocket Loan. And Rocket Loan is a product, a sub-product, of the big lender Quicken. So with a Rocket you may have seen ads for the Rocket Loan. It is a much easier way for you to apply for a mortgage. And they actually call it the Rocket Mortgage. And with it, what they've done is they allow you on your smartphone or your computer to make it really, really simple to get your loan done. It's not like it's a magic loan that's necessarily going to be better than other loans. It may not be the lowest interest rate you can get. And that's where I think in my quick explanation before, I did not adequately explain that what the big deal is about Rocket Mortgage is that they make it so much easier for you to post the information needed for the documentation for the loan, get everything done with the refi or the purchase loan, and make the whole process more like it's in the 21st century instead of the 20th century with the endless documents that lenders expect you to submit. And every time you 
submit something, there's something else they want, and they want a different format, and on and on and on. And so the idea of Rocket Mortgage and the reason that people like using it is even if it's not the cheapest rate you can get, the process is so much easier that you get it done. Because so often people will abandon particularly a refinance because they just hate all the hassle and the blizzard of paper again and again. Submit this, submit that. Why are you submitted that? Well, we don't find, we can't find it. Submit it again. And so giving you the electronic way of submitting stuff and making the process 100% transparent to you at all times is why people like the Rocket Mortgage. Now, there's a, a new product to compete with it that is designed for multiple lenders that you're probably going to see made available to you. Don't know if it'll be under their brand name or not, but it's getting a lot of buzz in the mortgage banking industry called Streamloan, which is a supposedly very secure platform for you to submit the documentation required for your loan. And one of the crazy things about it is that if you end up changing lenders partway through, you don't have to then resubmit all the same documents again. They are stored and available through the app operated by Streamloan. The only thing that Streamloan has not done is it's only at an iOS platform, only an Apple platform. And that's a bit of a problem since most people carry Androids. But I assume at some point they'll have that available as well. But the marketplace is speaking. And people in the banking business are generally pretty averse to change. And the way they did things is the way they did them. But people that are more customer-focused are coming up with new customer-friendly ways to modernize and get things done for you. Just because a lender uses the Streamloan product doesn't mean they're going to be the right lender for you to go to. But the process being easier and more transparent for you, that's the right way for it to get done. And those of you in the banking business... You should see what Quicken is doing with Rocket Mortgage because they're actually doing business in a way like they actually care about the customer. Janet joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Janet. Hi, Clark. Thanks for everything you do. Certainly. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. Good. How may I serve you? Well, I have an older car, about 14 years that I've driven pretty much into the ground. <laughs> you are we so fantastic him. and brilliant to do that. Because <laughs> do you know well, uh, there was a guy who uh, used to do personal finance stuff who ran the numbers and figured out that if you will keep the cars that you drive, the vehicles you drive, on average, if you buy a new one, keep it 10 years or longer changing nothing else in your life, that that one thing of of keeping vehicles a long time allows you to retire five years sooner. 
Well, I hadn't heard that, but um, I, I'm not even close to being at that point. I, I, we, <laughs> as far as savings and all that, so... But think about um, the hole you would have buried yourself if you got new vehicles like so many people do every three or four or five years. Right, right. I'm I'm even fighting wanting to buy another one now. <laughs> and you said this one is 13 or 14 years well, old? Right. It's, a, it's an 03. Wow. Well, you have, yeah. you have earned the right, if this one's breaking down, to dump it and get something else. You don't need right. to feel well, we guilty about that. Have it. We were hoping to have it for my daughter, but um, the transmission has gone, and we replaced it with an older engine a couple of years ago. So I'm wondering how we can still get any money out of it without putting another transmission in it just to sell it. So what would it cost to replace the transmission? I think we're figuring even if we with an old used one it would probably end up around 18 to 2000. And do you know if you looked up to see approximately what the vehicle's worth in working condition at this point? Um I had thought about it but I have not done it yet. I thought maybe my husband might have but I'm thinking around 3000. So this is going to sound weird to you but if you can fix the transmission for somewhere a little less or around $2,000, and it truly would be worth 3000 I know this is nuts, but the math says it would be worth fixing it and then having your daughter drive it. Okay. As you opposed know, the, to maybe donating it and getting a write-off? Yeah, or? I wouldn't do that. You got so little for it. Because the reason okay. is, is that, and this is, this is something, I'll tell you my formula, I'll tell you what Consumer Reports says. My formula has been when the value of a vehicle is such that the cost of a repair exceeds 50% of its remaining value. So in the example you gave, if it really is worth $3,000 and it costs you more than 1500 to put in a new transmission, I'd say dump it. But Consumer Reports ran the numbers and they said that's ridiculous. That if you can repair a vehicle, and even adding in the cost of the repair, it's less than the remaining value. So anything less than $3,000, you are better off repairing it and driving it. You know, even if you get just several months out of it, you are still ahead of mm-hmm. the game. Okay. Now, as far as what you would do for yourself, whether you choose to repair it or not. And there are two things you've got to find out before you do it. First, what would it really cost to replace that transmission? And then second, what's it really worth? And you may decide, even if those numbers still look like you should repair it, you're just done with it after 14 years. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. Many times there will be a shop that will buy it from you because they're getting a vehicle for a deal, and then they put in a transmission at their cost, and then they've got instant transportation at a good price. Well, that was my other question was, you know, would would there be a chance of someone buying it, towing it, and then putting it in? Yes, yeah, certainly so there's somebody it. in the business. Because mm-hmm. it wouldn't make sense for anybody other than somebody who knew how to do that kind of work and could do everything mm-hmm. on the cheap. 
Yeah. And so they, if you were to sell it unrepaired, they may be your best potential customer. It would be worth Mm -hmm. much more than donating. Okay. Okay. But as far as replacing it, what are you thinking? Would you go brand new or would you buy a mid-age used vehicle or what would you you think would be the best use of your money? I'm actually looking at a a 10-year-old upper level car that has a good life, you know, expectancy. (laughs) So you and my producer, Joel, are probably related and don't realize it. (laughs) Because that's how he buys vehicles. Well, it's out of necessity. We're just not in a position to do much else. But what's great, if you buy a vehicle that's 10 years old, they have very little market value left, but potentially have a great deal of mileage still to run. That's the hope. And so uh, if you don't have mechanical knowledge yourself, even though you have to lay out money to do it. If you're looking at a vehicle 10 years old, try to keep it um, one that's got 125,000 miles on it, somewhere in that range. It's at 85. 85,000 miles? Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. As long as it checks out by a mechanic of your choosing, that sounds like a very smart use of your money. Okay. And I hope that it gives you many years of reliable transportation moving forward. Betsy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Betsy. Hi, Clark. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. You want to talk to me about your student loans, is that right? Yes. Um, My husband and I are in a position where we can either pay off my car loan, which is $7,200 at 4.75%, or we can pay off some of my student loan, which is about $12,000 at 6.875%. And the reason why I'm torn is because my car payment is bigger than my student loan payment, and it would affect our monthly budget to pay that off. You know, there's such an advantage towards you paying the money towards your student loan, and you get so much more bang for your buck. It's two plus percentage points difference between the two. Mm -hmm. But the student loan, is it a federal student loan? Yes. I have all federal loans, but my husband, he has about... 60k in federal loans, and then another 15,000 in private. Wow! And the private loans—we are on. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The private loans or the federal loans have a higher interest rate. Well, I don't know about the private loan situation because it's tied to his parents, and they had some sort of financial difficulty where they filed bankruptcy. Oh, I'm sorry. And that that loan was affected. Thank you. So I don't know. He doesn't have to pay on it right now. So it's just accruing interest constantly. But we're trying to just get get to these, these student loan debts as quickly as possible. And my student loan is on a standard repayment, whereas his is on the income-based repayment. Okay. So go ahead. So I would say even though the car loan 
is at a lower interest rate, if you're worried because you'd have to continue making both payments if you paid one off and not the other, mm-hmm. go ahead and wipe out the car loan. Because I hear what I hear in your voice is I hear anxiety about the monthly obligations. Yeah. So just give, I'm giving you permission to wipe out the car loan, even though it's a lower balance, lower interest rate, and be done with it. Okay. And, and his student loans, it's a greater amount, but they're actually at a, a slightly better interest rate than my student loans, because when I was taking them, it was just, the rates were just a little higher. So you, so, once you once you don't have to make the car loan each month, that gives you more money to throw at your student loans. Yes, exactly. And I think that would be just fine. It would give you peace of mind, and you'd get closer and closer to being done with the debt obligation you have from school, and then you can rest easy. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where our producer, Joel, posts a question to me that you have put at clark.com who you got joel clark got a question from juan he says i'm currently a usaa member recently opened a roth ira with him would it be better to open a roth with one of the big companies such as charles schwab vanguard or fidelity though well usaa is a great organization and they do a wonderful job for you and thank you for your service to our country and so if you do your roth ira with usaa They offer a variety of funds you can be in, and that is A-OK to be with them. They may not be as low-cost as Vanguard, but they are a low-cost, no-commission provider, and I feel fine with you being with them. All right, and Lynn says, I've established 529 accounts for each of my grandkids. How much should I plan to set aside for each of them if I want to cover the cost of a public in-state university for four years? Uh, did the poster say how old the grandkids are? He doesn't. So if you would need, if you look at what current tuition is for a four-year state school where the grandkids live, and you wanted to pay the whole freight for them for tuition, room, and board, there are estimates that the state school would have on its website what that would be. And so if you gave that amount of money the growth you'd have over the years till they entered school would probably make that sufficient for enough money to pay for their school. Hope that made sense. So you take what the current cost is for school, and you can see that estimate on the state school website. Multiply that times four if they only show it annually, and put that amount in for each of the kids, and the growth invested in the age-based portfolio of the 529 plan should get them there where school will be basically free for them when they get there. Hope they appreciate their grandparent. If you're wondering how to get the funding needed to run a small business today, Cabbage has the answer. Cabbage helps small business owners access simple and flexible funding right away without the headaches that come with applying for a traditional loan. You can apply online or from your phone by securely linking your business information to get an automatic decision. There's no waiting in line. There's no scanning documents or tracking down financial statements. Cabbage gives you the flexibility to decide what's best for your business. And once you're approved, you choose when to use your funds and how much you're going to take. You only pay for the funds that you actually use. 
Cabbage has supported over 100,000 small businesses with $2.9 billion in funding already. Visit cabbage.com slash save. There's no cost to apply or set up your line of credit. And just for listening to this podcast, when you qualify for funding, you'll get a $100 Visa gift card that you can use anywhere. That's cabbage with a K, K-A-B-B-A-G-E dot com slash save. You know, when you're a kid, there are a lot of things that you think exist. Unicorns, dragons, mermaids, you name it. When you're a kid, it's real. But when you find out later that they don't, well, it's kind of disappointing. Of course, as you get older, you get over the disappointment. But when you're looking to buy a car, there's nothing worse than finding the one of your dreams online, and then you find out later it doesn't really exist. It's not true. That's why at TrueCar, they show you real pricing on actual inventory. This isn't pricing offered to you by TrueCar. It's an actual VIN-based price from a TrueCar certified dealer in your area. Real prices. And these aren't just any dealers either. TrueCar certified dealers are a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency. They offer competitive prices and a faster, easier buying experience for you. It's a fact. TrueCar customers are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with the TrueCar certified dealers. And, on average, they save over $3,000 off the MSRP. So when you're ready to buy that dream car, visit TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. I'm so glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you being empowered with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in a half hour, I want to talk to you about why you're likely to be able to keep more of what you make when you go to fill up your car, SUV, truck, whatever. I have great news for you on the oil front and for what it means for our great nation. Our web address, Clark.com. When you have a question for me, Clark.com slash ask. And I have a question for you. When you sign a contract, how often before you sign your name to it, do you actually read anything in that contract? I'd say it's probably one out of a thousand of us routinely read a contract. But there are certain ones I need for you to pay close attention to. Number one on the list, anytime you ever take out a car loan, car loans are burning people big time. So the scenario is this. People are taking out longer and longer car loans. And when you take out a longer car loan, the result of that is that you are likely to sell or trade in that car before you've reached the end of the loan. So why would that be a problem? Because in the terms and conditions for that loan, you may face some gotchas in how the interest is calculated so that the interest is front-loaded to harm you in the event that the loan doesn't stay in place for the full number of years of that loan. So in addition to worrying about the interest rate on a car loan, you never, ever, ever, not ever, 
want to take out any car loan other than one that is known as a simple interest loan. It's not at all unusual that a car loan may be calculated at something called sum of digits or rule of 78s. It's a way of clobbering you on interest far in excess of the stated interest rate in the car loan. If you remember nothing else that I'm saying to you today, remember this. Never, 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 not ever take out a car loan that does not calculate interest as simple interest. And with a car loan, you want to look for things that are being financed in it that you may not be aware that somehow you signed up for them. Like some kind of multi-thousand dollar extended service contract or extended warranty on the vehicle. And then you're financing it over five, six, seven years? Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. And with that or any kind of home loan, look for whether there is a prepayment penalty. You do not ever want to take out a loan, ever, ever, not ever, take out a loan that has a prepayment penalty. It's where you are punished for paying off a loan early. You know how repeatedly I talk about if you're not a member of a credit union, you need to join one? Because unfortunately, I think only 100 million Americans are credit union members. That means 220-plus million Americans are not members of credit unions. That's a financial disaster. Because when you go for a loan, credit unions, because they're co-ops, they're owned by the members, they're not trying to hit you with a gotcha. They're not trying to hit you with a curveball because you were it. You are them. You own the place. And that's why whenever you are looking to go buy a car, I always want you to go to a credit union before you even go shopping for a car to see what money you're good for, what kind of loan they'll qualify you for. And when you're looking for a home, one of the changes that happened after the real estate bust is credit unions have become the best place to go get a mortgage or certainly a home equity line of credit. So, fine print. Nobody's going to read all the pages of a contract. So just remember the key things I said. Simple interest loan, no prepayment penalty, no rule of 78s, no sum of digits. Lauren is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Lauren. Hey, Clark. Can you hear me all right? I hear you perfectly. Great. I'm on Project Fi, and apparently people have been telling me it's hard for me for them to hear me, so I'm glad you can hear me well. I hear you very well. Project Fi, interestingly enough that they say that they're having a hard time hearing you. Generally, the techies say that Project Fi, which is a, a Google cell phone service, is the best network there is in the country 
So yeah, well, I am one of those techies. So. <laughs> and I, what's I your do, bill? Like end, what's your bill end up being in a typical month on Project Fi? Um, well, I I financed my phone, my Google phone, through them, um, interest free. But without that, it's about thirty dollars a month. And that gets you everything you need: uh, calling, texting, and data. Yeah. You're great. Yeah, I only use about one gig of data a month because I'm on Wi-Fi so often. Perfect. All right. Well, how can I serve you today? Because you didn't call to tell me about Project Fi, which I'm glad you mentioned it because it is such a phenomenal offer that's never promoted or advertised. Yeah, well, um, the reason I called is I'm 26, um, and uh, I opened a Roth IRA last year. Um, I funded it for both last year and this year's contributions to the max. Um, and I also had a 401k traditional with my employer. And then I realized recently that my employer offers a um, Roth 401k option. So I decided to switch all of my contributions to Roth with my 401k. So I'm contributing 12% plus my employer matches 5% pre-tax. So I'm wondering, is there any point in me continuing to contribute to the Roth IRA while I'm not maxing out my Roth 401k? I don't know that there's any advantage because with the employer plan, it all happens automatically. It it uh, gets the money in there. There's potentially down the road more flexibility with money in the 401k than there is with the Roth IRA. So I think doing the Roth 401k and just stepping that up from what you're already doing, which, by the way, how old are you? 26. 26, right. I wanted to emphasize that because you're saving 12% of your pay. The employer matches with another six, you said? Five. Five. So that's 17% of your pay effectively, and you're maxing out a Roth IRA. You are setting yourself up for an extremely comfortable retirement and potentially an early retirement because you're saving so much money in your 20s. And for that, you are to be commended as a great example of somebody taking responsibility for your own self and your own financial future. Thank you, Clark. I'll I'll start contributing more to my Roth 401k and leave the uh, IRA aside until I max it out. So the only reason not to do what what we've come to an idea for this on, or an agreement, whatever, would be if your employer Roth 401k plan has very high costs. Yeah, no, it's actually a flat $45 a year, I believe. And do you know the underlying investments, what you pay? Um, they're very low. They're ten, maybe less than a tenth of a percent. I mean, great, great. So then, a target retirement. So then, you are perfect with what you're doing, and keep it up. And I hope others learn from your example, Lauren, and keep using Project Vi. Jana's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jana. Hello, Clark. How are you? Great, thank you. How may I serve you today? Well, sir, um, I am trying to find a way to control my television through my phone. I'm currently using a device that the company is um, abandoning, and although it's oh. been working well, 
Yeah, it it runs off of batteries and it connects to my phone through Bluetooth. Um, so you manually have to activate the device in order to get your phone to connect through it. And um, the app is no longer supported because, like I said, the company's abandoned it. Um, so I'm trying to find another option out there. And I'm kind of surprised that with the big um, kick in home automation that there isn't more options for controlling TDs. Right. And and this is a problem because what's happening now with the technology to operate your TV is things are migrating very heavily to Roku and to the device from Google, which is called, mm. uh, Joel, what's the Google thing? We have several. Chromecast. Chromecast. And so people are controlling their TVs with those two. And so there are not as many choices available for you to control traditional TV with your smartphone as an app, essentially, as the remote to run the TV. There's one out there called iRule. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. iRule is designed to automate lots of stuff in your house. It's like a whole house automation thing run from your phone. Okay. And so it'll do a zillion things in your home. But it's pretty expensive, isn't it, Joel? How much is it for iRule? Yeah, so the app is free, but you have yeah, to... But you got to have Exactly. To. You got to buy the hardware, which yeah. can starts at $100, it looks like. So oh, okay. that's going to be the hard part for you is that with the various devices available, who knows who's going mm-hmm. to survive because these solutions are software, hardware combined. So you right. have to jump in on their proprietary hardware that's the gateway to run your TV and other devices. And at a time where television programming is very heavily going to end up coming through, as an example, YouTube TV, if you've heard me talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so with it, it, it's integrated perfectly with Chromecast, which is a very, very inexpensive solution to, for you to have on your smartphone. Right. So the problem is, is if you're getting pay TV the traditional way through a satellite company or cable company, you're looking at these third-party solutions that may or may not stand the test of time. Right. Yeah, I, I currently use an antenna. I um, got rid of cable a long time ago because it was the, pro- the cost was going up so much. Wow, good for you. But the idea of using a traditional remote is just too much aggravation? Um, well, actually, I'm disabled, so I use a lot, my smartphone for a lot of things, and um, home automation has really made my life a lot easier. Okay, then maybe for you, the the whole house solution that I mentioned, I'm going to give you the web address for it in a second, the whole house okay. solution that can be controlled from your phone, even though you will have to pay for the separate hardware, may be something you can look at it's called get uh, the web address is get i rule.com okay 
Yeah, that would be a good investment. Okay. And if it turns out to be a bum steer, I hope you'll let me know. I definitely will. Okay, well, best to you, and I'm sorry that your current provider is getting out of the business. Tom is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Tom. It's great to have you here. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Good, thank you. You would like to win millions. Right. I, I just was curious. I've always been, I'm 73 years old, and and as long as I can remember, the, there's been this ubiquitous entity called the Publishers Clearinghouse, which I can't figure out how they have anything to do with publishing, nor how they make their money, nor whether anyone makes any money from them, because I've never heard of anybody winning. Just curious about them. So Publishers Clearinghouse itself is legit. There are any of a number of people that are trading falsely on their name that are scamsters. But the deal with Publishers Clearinghouse is they make their money in commissions from magazine companies. I see. So the biggest problem in the magazine business is acquiring new customers. Circulation, right. Right. So what Publishers Clearinghouse does is they get people interested in buying magazines that they get commissions from, and the way they've stood out from everybody else is by having the opportunity for you to enter to win, and then people mistakenly believe that they will increase their odds of winning if they then buy magazines, which you don't have to do. Right. So it, it is legit. The number of people that win is obviously tiny. Right. It's a sweepstakes, and you don't have to pay to enter, but they are the legit deal. But you've got to be so careful because so many of the people out there are completely and totally bogus right? who yeah, are trading right. on their name. Right. Somebody I know got a call yesterday uh, saying, if you just come bring $150 to Walmart, you're a winner. Oh, oh, I should play a sounder for that. Thanks for your call, Tom. Here's an interesting fact for you. There are nearly one million new books published in the U.S. alone every year. So if you like to read, how do you choose what you're going to read? Well, that's where Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews comes in. You see, Kirkus has been one of the top book review publications for over 80 years. They do a deep dive on thousands of titles every year, including interviewing best-selling authors and telling you what might be the hot new release before everyone else knows. And it's coming to Podcast One in just a few weeks. So keep your eyes and ears open for Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews. Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast. It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. You want the opposite of rip-offs? Check out Clark Deals, clarkdeals.com, where we have all kinds of bargains for you to help you stretch every dollar. Clark.com is our web address, and when you have a question for me, clark.com slash ask. Speaking of deals, we are in a position in the United States of strength that you never could have pictured five years ago because of the tremendous efforts 
and guts and technology breakthroughs that have allowed us to become an enormous energy producer again in the United States. We now are at a point where we are virtually the world's largest producer of energy, specifically oil and natural gas. We, as a result, are benefiting as consumers from much lower prices on gasoline for our cars and trucks and energy to heat our homes, because the majority of people in the United States use natural gas to heat their homes, we are benefiting from much lower energy costs than we would have otherwise. And in the midst of OPEC trying to restrict the supply of oil produced in the world and run the price of energy way up, U.S. oil producers that had gone to the sidelines have come back to oil fields from Texas to North Dakota, and it has changed things. And so even though there are other countries in the world that are now paying more for energy, we in the United States still benefit from very, very favorable prices when you go to the gas pump and when you pay your heating bill. In addition, something nobody ever really talks about For the electricity that comes to your home, power companies around the country have very heavily moved to much more affordable natural gas from what is typically more expensive coal, which has the effect of making the air far cleaner and reducing what it costs you for air conditioning in the summer and for electricity all year round. This is really great stuff, but it's not even the best thing. You know, the energy producers, the oil producers in the world used to have us over the proverbial barrel. They were able to punish us in the wallet, punish us militarily, and punish us politically because we were dependent on them for energy supplies. And now, because of what we're producing in the United States, that is not an issue. And in the midst of all midst of all this, because of American ingenuity again, we are on the edge of being able to electrify our vehicles with ultra-low-cost batteries to replace oil eventually completely and eliminate 100% dependence on any foreign suppliers of oil because within the next probably 18 to 24 months, it's going to be cheaper to manufacture an electric vehicle in the United States than a gas engine vehicle with no subsidies either way. There, I mean, there's just great stuff going on. And you look at every side of this equation with what the energy producers have been able to do. And you know, the beauty 
is we electrify our vehicles. It means our energy producers make us a ton of money and make themselves a ton of money. When I say us, I mean the country, and make themselves and their stockholders a lot of money by now exporting energy from the United States. And think about that turning the equation around. With oil having once been used as a weapon against us, we are able to deal with the world on the energy front from a position of strength. And know that for the foreseeable future, barring some unexpected event in the world, we'll have some run-up in what you pay to put gasoline in your truck or vehicle or car, SUV, as we move into the peak driving season. But prices are going to be so much better because of American ingenuity. Benny's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Benny. Hello. How are you? Great. Thank you, Benny. How can I be of service to you? Um, yeah, I was just wondering um, what's actually optional <clears throat> in uh, the state that I am in Alabama that you um, have the uninsured uh, motorist um, car coverage, and I was wondering if it's necessary to get or not to get <laughs> I love for you to buy uninsured motorist insurance. And the reason I do is you know how many people you're on the road with who are riding around without insurance at all or without much coverage. Uh So if something happens, you're protected against both possibilities when you have uninsured motorist coverage. Because And often it will not be that somebody who hits you doesn't have insurance. It's just they only have what are known as state minimums. And it's not going to be nearly enough maybe even to pay for a visit to the emergency room. So that's why I really love it. Do you know in the worst situations, can I tell you the craziest things that happen when you don't have U.M.? You could have a friend riding in the car with you, and you're in an accident. Not your fault, another driver's fault. And your friend gets hurt, and you don't have the UM, and the person who hits you either doesn't have insurance or has minimal. This is the worst thing. Your friend, in order to get medical bills covered, may have to sue you. It's nasty stuff. I know about a story about that happening where Uh uh, someone who had been a lifelong friend and it harmed their friendship when they had to turn around because of their injuries and sue their friend, the driver, who wasn't at fault. Mm. What coverage um, would you get? I think it starts off at, let's say, 25, 50, and then it goes... 50, uh, 5100 and then I guess on that for two or three more. So, uh, all right, so I'm, I'm crazy with this. I buy high levels of UM. Because uh-huh. if you buy, um, let's say you said the lowest limit was 1050, is that right? Uh, 2550. 2550. Yeah, that's the actual, yeah. 
Do you know what, if, if you had just moderate injuries and you had a couple of days in the hospital, do you know what kind of bill that could be? Yeah, pretty big. <laughs> and that's why the premium differences shouldn't be uh, so ugly that I think you go with as much coverage of UM as you can afford. Hmm. Well, I, 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 I did not know that. I really didn't. And, and see, then there's something else I'd like for you to do that can lower your premiums, and that is if you have a very low deductible on your coverage for mm-hmm. your insurance, I'd like for you to take a higher deductible because you don't want to make a small claim on your auto insurance anyway because then they clobber you on your premiums. So if you take a little bit larger deductible and a little thing happens, you take care of it out of your own pocket. So I'm going to cost you more money by getting you to buy a decent UM policy, but I hope to save you some money by getting you to raise that deductible. Okay, I think it's at 500 so would 1000 be I like 1000 a whole lot more. Mhm. Cuz again, okay. you don't want to make a claim for $500. Right. Now you hate me and I'm going to tell you in advance, you're going to hate me if you have an incident that suddenly you have 500 extra dollars that you have to cough up. Mm-hmm. You're not going to like me right then. But over time, it's a better thing to do to protect your wallet. Robert's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Robert. Hello, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. You want to talk about life insurance. I do. I do. Um, I'm 61 years old, Clark. I've been paying on this policy since '02 which is roughly almost $40,000. We have longevity in my family, which uh, if I go to 91, I'll have a total of about $120,000 into a $150,000 life policy. Except are you not in a participating one where the actual cash value will rise over time above the stated amount? Right now, the cash value... No, it will not rise above the stated amount. No. Um, Really? Correct. So you would pay over those decades a total that would equal roughly 75% of the face amount of the policy? That's correct. That sounds like a pretty lousy policy. Yeah, it. (laughs) yes, I believe it is. And that's really why I'm at the age now where... You know, we won't need those benefits. We don't need those benefits at this time. We have resources that are, you know, more than substantial pay for any uh, funeral expenses. So my question to you was, did it come to a point where I cash this out and just get term insurance, level term, or just continue on? I'm going to give you a process where you'll know exactly what to do with it. Exactly. And you have enough money at stake. You want to do what I'm about to tell you. Okay. There's a nonprofit organization called the Consumer Federation of America that has a service that evaluates existing life insurance policies. And they'll be able to tell you with exact precision if you should keep this policy, dump it, convert it, 
borrow against it, cash it out? What would be the right move for you? And it's pretty involved what they do. So it costs $125 for them to do the evaluation. But compared to the money you have at stake, that's nothing. Agreed. I agree. So I'm going to give you a, a website you can go to that is a dedicated website to this from the Consumer Federation of America where you mm-hmm. can see exactly what documentation you've got to get together for them to run the full analysis for you. Very good. The website that. is evaluatelifeinsurance.org. Okay. And they're basically only charging you what their um, time cost is to do it because this is a nonprofit. Understood. And so then you'll know... Sound investment. You'll know exactly what you should do. It's not even gray with a scenario like you played out. But for you Mm -hmm. and me, um, you know, this isn't what we do for a living. So it's something we would not be able to properly assess and answer whether you keep it, dump it, Mm -hmm. or something else. Right, right. Well, that's certainly great direction, Clark. I do appreciate it. And I really enjoy your show, and I appreciate what you do every day. Well, thank you very much, and I hope you have a great day. Martin is with us on the Clark Howard Show. And Martin, you want to know if it's really true that a 529 plan is the right answer to every question in life? (laughs) Uh, Yes, partially. Um, We have a 529 plan for our four-year-old, and I've was looking at how much has gone up over the last four years, and it really hasn't uh, done that well. And I was wondering oh no, if you seriously recommend them? <laughs> because because if you are in a five twenty nine plan, one of the low cost ones, and you've been in with a what your child originally a newborn now four years in, you should have had a very large increase in the value of your account because. If you're in a typical age-based portfolio, your child's money would have been overwhelmingly in stocks, and the stock market has had a great last several years. So I'm very distressed that you're not showing a meaningful increase in value in your son's account. Yes, and um, maybe it's because it's just too conservative of a plan. There's so many plans out there, it's kind of confusing. Now, are you in a, one of the plans that's on my honor roll or dean's list? That I don't know. Did you buy it from a stockbroker or a salesperson or anything like that? Um, no, I just called my investment advisor and asked. Okay, yeah, so you're, you're in. If you called your investment advisor, you're in an ultra-high commission 529 plan, and I don't recommend any of those. Okay. Um, what I would like you to do, and fortunately, it's only four years in. you got another 14, 15 years before your child even enters college. Go look at my 529 plan guide, and you're going to okay. be able to move the money that's in the high-cost plan to one of the low-cost plans on my guide. And if, okay. and if, I've got, if I have a low-cost plan sponsored by your state on my list, go into that. And I'll walk you through exactly how to how to pick the plan 
and then how to pick the investments in the plan. Okay, great. But a 529 plan is something there is never a circumstance, never a circumstance, that a 529 should be invested in through a commission salesperson. Because the way those plans operate, the way they're structured, you won't be able to overcome all the enormous costs and commissions that are involved if you do buy through a person. So the only proper way to buy a 529 plan, and you'll see this on my guide, Martin, the only proper way to buy one is what's known as direct sold, where the money goes directly into the plan at 0% commission and to ultra-low-cost investment choices. Remember, though, you've only lost four years. Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard Podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. I'm Mick Garris. When it comes to horror, you might know me as a writer, producer, and director. But I also love making people open up. I'm getting together with the most fascinating people in fright filmmaking. I'm going to pick their brains and find out what they know. But if they've got any secrets they're determined to keep, I have ways of making them talk. Download new episodes of Postmortem with Mick Garris every other Wednesday at podcastone.com, the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe on iTunes. What we're learning about the Manchester bomber. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. The father of the alleged Manchester suicide bomber says his son didn't do it. We don't believe in killing innocents, he told the AP. But the father reportedly was a member of an al-Qaeda-backed group in Libya years ago. That, according to a former Libyan security official. Meanwhile, police have carried out raids on a block of apartments in Manchester. Witnesses say they heard explosions. Alan Kinsey was a neighbor of the alleged bomber. The actual family that had been there, I'd I'd never really come across them in bad ways it was always even when I said hello he never seemed to speak back to you he was just like kept themselves to themselves and that was about it the British putting more military troops on the streets now as police say it's clear this is a network they're investigating President Trump has arrived in Brussels for NATO meetings after a visit this morning with the Pope at the Vatican I'm Rita Foley